I think I introduced us with your dad, so. Um, yeah, I think you did. How did you think that went, by the way? I think it went pretty good. Did your dad like it? Yeah, he had fun. That's good. Yeah, and then he, uh, um, and then, yeah, he, he spared you the soy sauce spaghetti thing, but other than that. That's bullshit. Uh, like I, gonna, like you're gonna try kiwi on pizza? Yeah, because you know that how uh, Carrie said that she didn't know what was worse, that or the spaghetti lemonade. So I'm gonna try figure it out. Uh, I think either one's gonna be terrible. Oh yeah. Have you seen all the memes about like? So here I was with soy sauce on my balls. Yeah, like the whole thing is nuts. <laughs> Every once in a while I get a good one in. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, what do you want to talk about? Are you why are you breathing so hard? No, I'm I'm not actually hit the mic close to my face. Oh, okay. Like it just sound <laughs> like you sound like you're wheezing over here. No, nah, I'm good. It's the coronavirus. That's the kung flu. Kung flu, yeah. Yeah. I like it. Do you hear that they I don't even I don't even know if it's a true report, but did you hear about the thing like how like alcohol kills it? Yeah, that's all I've been reading. I don't know if it's a joke or if it's real. I don't either. But I've been drinking a lot just in case. Save that for the podcast. <laughs> Hello, welcome back, everybody. This is your second favorite host, Haggy, here with your first hit favorite host, Taylor. What's up, Taylor? What is this favoritism bullshit? Nobody actually likes me. Eh, you're my favorite of the host out of the two of us. Uh, well, same could be said for you. All right. We'll have a rock, paper, scissors live on, a, on some other episode. Oh, I am totally down for that. 100%. Well, maybe, the, maybe the live one. I don't know. Whenever we yeah, get around to that. Up. I would say March would be a good time frame to expect that. Yeah, absolutely. No later, Maybe around no the free agency period. Wait, yeah, or is, that, is that in March or is that April? No. Yeah, March 16th That's March. when free agency starts. Nice. Yeah. I hope we get someone good. The only free agent that I think I've really talked about, so the only free agent that I think I'm going to stick with is Chris Harris Jr. Right. I honestly, I mean, if we're going to, all right, let's say we draft Tua and he's not healthy yet. So we stick with Ryan Fitzpatrick for one more season. What would it hurt to have Chris Harris, Akeem Tlaib, and Xavier Howard all on the same team again with Rashad Jones? I just, I don't know. 
like a far-fetched dream, but I think a lot of people forget that Akeem Talib is still on the contract with us for one more season. I think he's probably end. I think he's probably going to end up being a salary dump, but he's always there just in case things go south. True. You know, I kind of, I kind of figured he was going to retire. If I'm being honest. Yeah, he did have a pretty significant increase, so it makes sense. And I think he's getting up there in age, but I mean. Yeah. I don't know how long ago that was. What three or four years ago? Akeem Talib and Chris Harris Jr. were the best tandem in the league. That wasn't that long ago. I mean, it helps when you have uh, Von Miller and um, uh, Marcus Ware. Yeah, Shaquille Barrett and Shane Ray, all them pass rushers. But you know, what did they call? Uh, it was a defensive tackle. They called Potros. Terrence Knight. That his name. I don't remember, honestly. I think he went to the Jaguars. Uh, Jackson, Malik Jackson, that's not right? Um, that might be it, yeah. Whatever. I'm not a Broncos fan. Everybody around me is, though. Right, well, I guess there's some more Seahawks and Packers fans here, but... Yeah, I don't... I mean... Would... Do you think that the Packers are the most Midwestern team? Absolutely. Part of Wisconsin. Part of Wisconsin. Yep, I think it goes, like, Midwestern-wise, I think it goes Packers, Bears, Vikings. I think that's good. That's probably the best uh, scenario. Did you see the ridiculous ass map that's been floating around on Twitter of like what the actual Midwest was? No. <laughs> okay, I'll uh, I'll tweet it on the Midwest Fins account. If you guys aren't following us yet, which you should be, uh, at Midwest Fins on Twitter. Um, yeah, I'll I'll uh, I'll tweet the the horrible map thread. My my favorite portion was. Um, a lot of people are dividing South Dakota, as in, like, eastern South Dakota is considered the Midwest, but western South Dakota is. And to be honest with you, I'm totally fine with that because this river sucks ass, but it is what it is. But I saw most of them, like, didn't include Nebraska or Kansas or Oklahoma as the Midwest, but those are, like, the three states that I think of the most when it comes to the Midwest. Maybe that just has to do with my geological uh, location, but. Yeah, maybe. Hmm. Well. So, how you doing, Haggy? How's, uh, how's the weather up in Montana? It snowed yesterday. That was fun. How much did you get? I don't know. Probably about two inches. Wow. Well, I'm currently driving through a blizzard. And we're expected to get at least six inches. Um, nice. Yep. No travel advised, so that's great. Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. You know, like you get that blizzard weather and you got the people that don't have good trucks and they slide all over the road. You still yeah, got so your I'm good truck though, right? I'm driving my car. Oh, fun. Well, I know. don't really drive the truck unless I have to. Fair enough. You uh, you be careful out there. I will. All right. So, 
uh, before we get going too much farther, because we really haven't talked about anything important, uh, my favorite part of Midwestern Finch podcast is that we talk about a charity. And I'm almost uh, disappointed that it took so long for us to talk about this particular charity, but I think it's really important. And I know it's near and dear to you. And uh, this week, we, Peggy and I talked a lot about what charity means, but kind of reflected on all the charities that we've had on Midwestern Finch. Is this episode 20? I think this is 21. 21. Okay, so, so this will be the 20th week that we featured this here. Since we did do it week one, but we started week two. Right, or, and there's a couple extra overlaps, but... But uh, this week, we decided 21. to Alex's Lemonade State. And I don't know if you guys remember, but Peggy won his uh, Travis's Fantasy Football League and donated quite a bit of money to Alex's Lemonade so, Aggie, why don't you talk on that a little bit, and then maybe I can finish up with it. Sounds good. First of all, suck it, Travis. Your team sucks. Um, second of all, <laughs> yeah, so took the winnings and I said everyone gets to choose which part the money goes to. There's about 20 bucks a person, like when we d- divided it all out, and um, a lot of people, because Travis's uh, cousin has cancer, uh, chose Alex's lemonade stand. There's, it's a lot to do with uh, child cancer research. And according to Alex's lemonade stand's website, shoot, it, it's got a little moving stat thing. So I gotta. Uh, it, so it says every day, 700 children worldwide are diagnosed with childhood cancer. Yet childhood cancer research only receives less than four percent of National Cancer Institute's annual budget. So what they're doing is filling in the rest of it um, for to help cure children's cancer. Um, it's funded nearly a thousand research projects at 135 institutions in the U.S. and Canada. Uh, it's a really great cause, guys. I it looks like they got like the right like priority here. I mean you. You can um, you can help treat cancer and stuff, but like helping prevent it and getting getting it cured like quicker is really a good move in my opinion. Yeah, I would definitely want to back that up. Uh, to me, it's more than a thousand percent unfair that childhood cancer research gets four percent funding. Yeah. It honestly should be flipped because children haven't lived their life yet. And I'm not saying that anybody who has cancer has lived their life. But my grandparents' neighbor, Cameron Schumacher, passed away when she was only three years old from a brain cancer called DIPT. And I remember when she was going through everything, it was amazing to me to see my small community come together in a tragedy to support this little girl and her parents are phenomenal people um they still live next to my grandparents they still help out my grandma a lot and they've really stepped up the game of bringing cancer awareness around our community in western south dakota in general 
but something that they've always advocated for was the 4% is just not enough. So if you were to take out your wallet and look at a $100 bill and you say, I'm going to donate to cancer, you're only allowed to give $4 of that 100 to the kid that lives down the street from you. And the rest of it just goes to whoever, which could be young adults and whatever, but most most cancers that we hear about are you know, elderly people. And I'm not saying that we don't want to cure them, but kids haven't had the chance to live a life. And I couldn't imagine going through the tragedy of finding out that one of my kids had cancer. So I think Alex Lemonade Stand is such a phenomenal charity, and I'm so happy that we're able to feature it and that it exists. Uh, there's so much to it. 100%. Yep, so if you guys want to make a contribution, it's alexslemonade.org. You'll be able to find a link in, well, either if you listen to, or come here through my tweet or if you come in through the details part of the podcast. So. Hell yeah. And don't forget, if you haven't already, make sure you do a tweet. Hashtag Bailey Strong. We're with you, Bailey. You got this. Yep. All right, so let's talk dolphins, huh? Okay, I'm here for it. They did not that much stuff this week. Really surprising. Oh, man, I can't believe how much stuff they did. How many pro bowlers do dolphins have on their roster? I think zero. Same amount of wins in the Super Bowl Dan Reno has. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, but you know who was in the Pro Bowl? Jarvis Landry. And Ryan Tannehill. <laughs> oh, man. That's just like, okay. I'm all for players having success out of Miami. I get it, you know. But every time the Dolphins let a player leave, it honestly seems like they just ex- succeed and exceed expectations. Mm-hmm. It's so awesome because I'm to that point where, like, you know, no expectations, gang gang on my end. They can go do whatever they want. But I mean, look at look at how much like how many former Dolphins are going to be playing in the Super Bowl for the Chiefs this year. Like Damian Williams is fucking tearing it up for the Chiefs at running back. Mm-hmm. Both of the backup quarterbacks behind Mahomes are the former Dolphins. And if Matt Moore didn't play as good as he did in the two games he played, it's likely that the Chiefs wouldn't even in the Super Bowl because they would have had to go through a wild card spot instead of having home field advantage, which you're fucking welcome, Chiefs fans, for helping you get to that point twice now. Matt Moore and beating the Patriots. Mm-hmm. Gotta love it. Oh, there was another person, too. Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick also made it. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, another secondary awesome note. Uh, who was the co-head offensive line coach for the Dolphins? Uh, Chris Forrester. All right. He's the offensive line coach for the 49ers, who have the oh. best run game in the fucking league. So I just, that's even more awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Miami's dangerous, I, folks. Miami is dangerous. Yeah, I guess the uh, the was it built on like a 
ancient burial ground or something, the stadium. Yeah, that's what they yeah. say. Anyway. So I guess that's what uh, I guess that's what's really killing Miami right now. Well, okay. How often do NFL stadiums change their names, though? Like, is it pretty common? You know, like I, I'm trying to reference. So, like, you know, the the Saints have played at the Superdome forever. Has it always been the Mercedes-Benz Superdome? Um, Mercedes-Benz isn't Mercedes- wait. Isn't Mercedes-Benz the uh, Falcons one right now? It's actually both. Wow. Um, well, I think one's you're kind of super, one's called the Superdome, and then like the Falcons is called something different, but they're both Mercedes Benz company. Gotcha. I think the Broncos Stadium um changed its name. Yeah, they used to be like Invesco, and then they went to Mile High, and then they went to Sports Authority, and now they're like Comcast or something. But well, it was uh, Invesco Field at Mile High, right? It's not that anymore. And it's not Sports Authority either. But I was just wondering, like, the Dolphins have changed their stadium, it seems like, a lot. You know, like, they they host the Super Bowl fairly regularly, but, like, every time they host the Super Bowl, it's under a different name. It's like, it's Hard Rock Stadium now. used to be, like, Joe Robbie or, you know, I don't... Sun Life Stadium. Land Shark Stadium. You know, I'm looking through these stadium names, and they seem, uh, yeah, they seem to be this way, uh, or named pretty steadily. Hmm. It's interesting. Yeah, right now it's Sports Authority Field at Mile High, but it used to be in Vesco, like you, like we said. Um, MetLife Stadium's always been that, because um, they it's not the metal land anymore. Uh, Ford Field's been the same. NRG, University of Phoenix, Arrowhead. Yeah. It's, uh, is the, uh, well, in like Lambeau or Soldier Field, like they've been the same forever. But right. Is it like just me or does Jerry Jones have like the biggest fucking head ever? Because he's like, yep, Cowboy Stadium. And that's just what it is. It's AT&T. It's AT&T, so it's not called Cowboy Stadium? Correct. Hmm. Interesting. I always, like, I don't think I've ever heard anybody reference it other than Cowboy Stadium. Yeah, I've heard it. Cowboy Stadium and uh, Jerry World. Jerry World. I like that one. I think Pat McAfee is the one that says that. Not sure. Uh, love Pat Makes McAfee. sense. Same. I wish that dude would have never retired, like, I feel like if he would have played two more years, all things. I don't know if he would have he's a punter, but for the brand. Right. Again, ESPN just needs to take him for Monday Night Football. It's what the world needs. It's exactly what the world needs. Pat McAfee and Kevin Harlan. Let's get it. Whoever's out there, make that shit happen. <laughs> yeah. Kevin Harlan's a beast for sure. I still don't can't get over that he was like calling like the Dolphins game and the Chiefs game at the same time. It just blows my mind. That shit was so fantastic. 
And it was like a crucial moment too. Like week 17, like the Chiefs just scored a touchdown to go up, like basically to secure the win. Mm-hmm. Oh. So badass. Yep. Well, what else did uh, what else in Dolphins world did you notice today or this last week? Last two weeks, we've uh, two weeks since we recorded last. Um, the Tua talk has gone through the roof. He had his interview today, and uh, honestly, he was saying like all the right things. Um, they kind of asked him what he thought about the tank for Tua, and he was said he was honored about it. And then someone asked about going to Miami and said that his family loved Miami. So I think that uh, if, if he's available at five, I want the Dolphins to draft the, draft the best player available. But they also need to be able to stick to their guns. So if they genuinely believe that Tua is the best player available at number five, they need to take it. But one thing that I've noticed a lot as with like all these mock drafts is none of them involve the Dolphins trading down. And I'm not saying that it's a good idea, but the Dolphins draft capital is absolutely fucking enormous already. So imagine if they traded down and just grew big. Did you see the the chart? Uh, Some guy made a chart and it was like, this is the upcoming season's like ability to improve their team. And the x-axis was draft capital and then the y-axis was uh, available cap space. Mm-hmm. And the Dolphins were the highest in both, and he had to extend the chart to the right because the Dolphins have so much draft capital right now. Yeah. So, and I guess, you know, with that being said, I'm cool with trading up because we've seen it be successful. You know, like the, the Eagles traded up with Carson Wentz, and they've been decent. Um, the, the Chiefs traded up to get Pat Mahomes, which has obviously been probably the arguably the best trade up you know like i don't think that there's really been a team that's traded up to draft a player recently that's been more successful than that one right not more successful um but i mean there is a well um, okay hold on let me take a step trade back up for watson too which is Has it's there... not better than mahomes but it's been a really good one as well i think I think I, I think maybe I'm being too obvious about that. Has there been a better draft pick in the last three years in the first round than Patrick Mahomes? Has there been a player that's been more impactful than Pat Mahomes in the last three years? I mean, you might be able to make a case for Nick Bosa this year, but there's not very many for sure. Lamar Jackson, actually, maybe. I think, I think that I think both of those are fair. And here's the thing: is Pat Mahomes was three years ago, Lamar Jackson was last season, Nick Bosa was this year. So it's hard to tell at this point. Maybe, maybe those three are the the best first round picks of their respective drafts, but you now it is pretty early to tell. One thing that I will take from Pat Mahomes' draft, though, is he sat for an entire year behind a, a successful quarterback. Didn't Alex yep. Smith go 13-3 and three with that same team? Um, I don't know exactly what his record was, but he did good. He got into the playoffs. Yeah. yeah. They went into the playoffs, but I thought they lost pretty early. And then last year, of course, the Patriots beat them in 
the AFC Championship game. And then now we're here with uh, Chiefs 49ers Super Bowl, which I'm super excited about because it's not teams it's not, that we see. Yeah, it's not the Patriots, it's not the Steelers. It's not, not like Peyton Manning. Yeah. So Patrick Mahomes will be the first AFC quarterback outside of Joe Flacco since like 2001, not named Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, or Ben Roethlisberger. Like yeah, it's, it's, it seems in the about last, right. In the last 19 years, there will have been five starting AFC quarterbacks in the Super Bowl. Which is just ridiculous. It's stupid. And uh, I think I said it maybe in the group chat. I don't think I tweeted it, but it was something like, I genuinely think the NFC is more competitive. At least it's more balanced. You know, it just seems like the AFC only has like two or three really competitive teams every year. I mean, nobody thought the Titans were going to do anything because they finished nine and seven, but the Bills were 10 and six. Um, obviously, the, the Ravens did good, and obviously, the Chiefs did well, but I don't know. I don't really, I don't. I don't feel like there's a lot of significant AFC teams. Whereas early during the season, I talked about the 49ers already playing like the five best games of the season at one point because they played the Seahawks. They had a good game against. They had a great game against uh, Arizona. But the the Saints game against them was really good. The Vikings game was good. So I mean, it's like. The NFC had six teams in the playoffs that I thought each any one of them could have made it to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Whereas in the NFC, I was like, yeah, it's going to be you know, one of these two, which it happened to be the Chiefs. But I would have never thought the Titans were going to beat the Ravens. You know, I, I thought it was going to be Ravens-Chiefs in the AFC Championship game, which would have been amazing to watch. But right. you know, it just happened that way. Yep. And I think that's probably where the phrase any given Sunday comes from. Because it yeah. really doesn't have to think any, any Sunday can really make a big difference. Mm. Nobody thought the Dolphins were going to win five games. Nope. No, nobody did. I wonder, did we do preseason predictions? Um, I don't know. Did we do, did we do like a record prediction? when Mike and Tone were, I guess. We might have, actually, yeah. We might have I think to look we had back. them on before the first I week. It, yeah, I think we had them on um, pretty early. Yeah. Hmm. We'll get that figured out. Okay. Well, what... Uh, all right, obviously the free agency is going to change the draft significantly. But, and I know that you're a defensive guy, so you're cool with them going defense at five. Um, is there any, you know, like two realistic scenarios that you see happening for the Dolphins that you would like to see happening? Um, well, I don't know how realistic it is, but I actually really like your thing of, uh, of them trading back. That sounds phenomenal. I would love for that to happen. Like, if well, you get... Think... Oh, go ahead. Especially if, like, say, someone had traded up past Miami to take Tua, or, like, Detroit took Tua, 
which is who I want to take Tua, by the way. I've put that out on Twitter a few times. Um, I'd love for them to, like, say, go to the Chargers and pull, like, a Mitchell Trubisky on them and be like, hey, you want uh, Herbert? <laughs> and then they'll be like, well, you know, we'll be like, hey, just give us an extra, like, second-round draft pick, and it's your, and he's yours, you know? Even just make it, like, super, like, simple, you know? And then just keep trading back. <laughs> Trade back from five to six and then from six to eight. So then our we have the first we have five of the first eight picks in the second round. Yeah, something like that. That'd be awesome. You know, and I know like a lot of people were upset um about the the Minka trade and the Laramie Tunsil trade about how they you know, we lost a lot of um, draft stock by it. Steelers doing well and the Texans doing well. But Laramie Tunsil fell to 13. Am I right? Yep. And then um, Minka Fitzpatrick was drafted at 11. So yep. the Steelers pick is 18. So we lost seven draft picks, right? Seven players. But in reality, we got rid of a player that didn't want to play for our team, which you can't, you can't force a player to want to play for a team. You can see that they're on the way out. They're going to be checked out. They're just going to be playing for themselves, which is selfish, and that's not the culture that Brian Flores wants to have. I think, I think one thing that Brian Flores is bringing to the table that we probably didn't talk about a lot is that I think he's really working on that team-first mentality, You know, mm. like that, which is probably why the secondary did so well surprisingly, with a bunch of you know, McDonald's cashiers. Mm-hmm. So, and then the, the Texans pick is 24, 25, which is still a first-round draft pick. You know, like some of the most successful teams draft in, obviously successful teams draft 24, 25 around there, and they still do well every year. So it just, I think having three first-round draft picks and not really having to give up a whole lot, especially in production, I mean, we we won five games this season with a scrub team that was under no contracts. We had our star players were injured on defense and the Dolphins had the youngest roster in the NFL and Ryan Fitzpatrick was their starting quarterback, you know? So we get yeah. Ryan. If Ryan Fitzpatrick isn't on the Dolphins, their young roster drops significant. If Rashad Jones isn't on the defense, their roster drops age significant. So the Dolphins have, an incredibly young team. And the thing that I've talked about before is like, we, we have, there are 20, there are 20, I'm going to say 20. This might be a stretch by saying 20, but there are 20 starting positions up for grabs next season. I really think that there are only two positions that have a starter for guaranteed next season. And I, and that, even that's a stretch, but Devonte Parker will be a starting wide receiver. And then, Obviously, Xavier Howard started cornerback. I'd say Everybody Jerome Baker. Jerome Baker is probably going to be a starter, but I wonder if they move him a little bit. So that's I why. Mean, that's why. That's why I said it was a stretch to say twenty. So like, all right, let's drop it down. Let's say there's eighteen. There's eighteen positions that are up for grabs next season. Yeah, I could see that. So the Dolphins need as much. They're going to have to use all the draft capital. Be- 
because they have so many positions that they need to address. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that Xavier Howard and Devontae Parker are really the only two players on the team that are locked up for any amount of time. Mm-hmm. I think both of them are only four or five years. I wouldn't be surprised if we see another significant chart at the end of the next season. If we see another what? Another significant roster chart where we see a lot of influx of players at just because yep. it's I think I'm starting to lose you, bud. That's not good. No, nope. oh, there you go. You might lose me. Sorry, Midwestern internet, y'all. Yeah. Thanks, Colorado. Yeah. Colorado. But yeah, I mean, I think uh, this is going to be a really significant off season. I'm not going to say it's going to be the most important off season because of no expectations, gang, gang, but. Um, I think that there's going to be a lot of really exciting things. And I'm curious to see how well Chris Greer does his job. That would be interesting to see. Um, like, I, I have confidence in Chris Greer because um, of his performance so far. But um, yeah, I don't know about Flores yet. Like, people are like crowning him as the as the like our our next great coach because he won five games with our awful team, but yeah, I'll go through. I still will at some point go through all of what happened this season and kind of make a case for him either way. But like after Gase, I'm not ready to just say, "Yep, this is our guy." You know? Yeah, the Dol- I I really I think that the Dolphins fan were so hyped for Adam Gase and he didn't work out. So the Dolphins are trying to fill that disappointment void by putting it all on Flores with false hope or ambition or whatever it could be. And I don't know how well that's going to work out just because it's hard to live up to expectations that Dolphins have. I I still see in tweets today that to it, Tua is not going to be as good of a quarterback as Dan Marino. Duh. He's the best quarterback of all time. But people still want the next quarterback on the Dolphins to be as good as him. It's not possible. It's not going to fucking happen. But people still want it to happen. It doesn't make sense to me that people are still trying to find that stuff. Just, you know, accept and embrace. and You got to be okay with what happens. And... If anything, the 2019 Miami Dolphins was an exciting, fun season for me because they won five games that I frankly didn't want expect them to win. I watched some phenomenal players develop. You know, I think our, our, our good friend Preston Williams was such a nice face to see where a Dolphins team was able to pick up an undrafted free agent and actually do well with them. Mm-hmm. Um, we got to see Devontae Parker be top five wide receiver. And that's not just opinion. That's like stat based. Like he put up huge numbers. We got yep. to see, we got to see Mike Kosicki turn it on late season and beat the Patriots in, in Foxborough. 
right? Yeah, that was sweet. Week 17 in a meaningful game for the GOAT, Tom, and Bill. I mean, it's just, I'm probably going to lose it here again. I'll just hang out if I do. But All right. Uh, just, like, there was a lot of great things that we saw this season that we haven't seen before. And if anything, that's what I want to see again. I just want to be pleasantly surprised with whatever it is that happens. I agree. 100%. So, um, going back to Gase a little bit, because I just remembered this, right? Um, So, it's well known that Gase doesn't like running backs. And people can d- d- try and discount all they want, but it's true. And I looked at looked up Le'Veon Bell's stats. Like he had the worst stats since like it was either 2015 or 2016, where he only played six games. <laughs> what? Yeah, like this is statistically his worst season in like three to four years. Well, I guess technically he held out for an entire year, but like beyond that, like. Imagine how upset Le'Veon Bell is with himself. Like, he held out for an entire year to beat Adam Gase. Yeah. Beyond Adam Gase. <laughs> and then, like, and then, like, there's an interview. It's like, are, is Le'Veon Bell going to be back next year? And he's like, you're asking the wrong person. Like, <laughs> dude, like, you won't even commit to him. <laughs> no, Sean Moreno was Adam Gase's best running back. Oh, absolutely. Man, I, I was so hyped for Noshan when he came to the Dolphins. Like, I was like, oh, man, it's going to be like primo. And then he broke his arm like week one. Yeah, I mean, the, the game that he did play, or when he came back at the end of the season, too, and put up a couple good games before getting injured again. Like, when he was healthy, like, he did great. But that's the thing. When he was I saw, healthy. I saw a pretty awesome tweet. Um, back to Adam Gase about like how much he hates running backs. Like Adam Gase had Damian Williams, Jay Ajayi, and Kenyon Drake all on the team at the same time. And he had Arian Foster starting over all of them. Yep. <laughs> like a washed Arian Foster. Like I remember I remember Arian Foster when he was on the Texans and that guy loved him. He was an absolute stud, I get. But we got him when he was old, he was done. We didn't have the even remotely close to the same offensive line. It just, that's 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 the thing that bothers me the most about NFL GMs, is it seems like the Dolphins have never built a scheme around their best players. The, the only one that I could maybe argue for was, you know, Jarvis Landry caught 100 balls for four years in a row for the Dolphins, and that was like their offense, but he got 100 balls across the middle and got destroyed after six yards every single time. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was kind of designed for him, but not really. Uh, the Dolphins never designed the offense for the running backs they had. I mean, we had Lamar Miller on the team, and he has two of the longest rushes in NFL history. He's got like a 95 and a 97. And the Dolphins never gave him the ball more than 13 times a game. You know, so it's just... I don't get it. I really don't get it. And then the first running back that gets 20 touches in a 
Dolphins uniform in the last three years happens to be Kalen Balazs, who had 40 yards on 20 carries. Yeah, it's definitely painful. I I honestly can't imagine the numbers that Lamar Miller would have put up if he had 25 carries a game like Ezekiel Elliott or 25 carries a game for Ken Gundrick. It just doesn't. Like we never, we haven't gotten to see anything like that. And I guess that's maybe something I'm longing for. Yeah, like, um, well, I think, well, you have kind of seen it in other places, but like, they gave Drake the ball like twenty sometimes in one in a game in Arizona, and he just ran all over teams. He had, he had four touchdowns in one game. Yeah, like. That, which also, by the way, was awesome for my fantasy team and part of the reason why I did so well. <laughs> like, I got I got really lucky on some things, and that was one of them. Did Ryan Fitzpatrick really get an opportunity to work with Preston Williams a lot? Or was Preston Williams doing well with Josh Rosen? Um, he was doing some with each. I mean, I feel like he was doing more with Rosen just because Rosen, like, had that relationship with him and, like, definitely trusted him better. But he was still getting some work done with Fitzpatrick. I just kind of feel like Ryan Fitzpatrick is the guy for Preston Williams next year to develop. Huh? A guy that's not afraid to let him test his abilities. Which right. They weren't trying to scheme him. They were just like, hey, go do your thing, man. And it happened to work out. So maybe maybe that's what they need to do with Chris Williams, too. I, just, I think I would love to see it on both sides. Chris Williams is like 6'4". Dante Parker is like the same height. So this 50-50 jump balls all game? Yeah, 100%. With Gesicki across the seams, like that just sounds... Yeah, and you know it would be really fun, too? This is kind of what I want to see. It's gonna be, It's really unorthodox, right? I'd love to see a play where Jakeem Grant takes a direct snap out of the pistol and hands it off to Ryan Fitzpatrick up the middle. Oh, and then he throws it? No, and he just runs it. Oh, he did lead the team in rushing. Right, like, I mean, why not? <laughs> was it, uh, this was like the, I thought that, was there three quarterbacks that led their team in rushing this year? Um, I know Lamar Jackson did, and I know Ryan Fitzpatrick did, but I felt like there was one more. And they, they made a big deal about it because it was, it was like the first time in NFL history it's ever happened. It might have been the Cardinals. Oh, Kyler Murray? It might have been. I wonder or, if he passed it. It might have been Russell Wilson, too, because like his running backs were getting hurt all year, I think. Oh. I love Maybe that was the year before. I love Russ Wilson. It's an animal. He is really good. So, I'm looking don't it ever up forget, right now. Don't ever forget that Matt Flynn played one good game, got a huge contract, and then never played again because of Russell Wilson. That's true. I think he threw like I, I think Matt Flynn's best game in a Packers uniform is still better than the best Aaron Rodgers game. Like, I think Matt Flynn threw like 450 yards and six touchdowns or something. Something that Aaron Rodgers never did. 
I'll have to find that out to double check. Maybe I'll tweet that. I later. think I think that game, if I remember correctly, um, was against the Lions, who had like a noticeably bad um, team. Like a, they had an awful. Um, yeah, there's a well, there's a reason why Aaron Rodgers didn't play, and that was part of it. Right, like there's like the Lions secondary there was awful. I think Josh Allen might have been the other one. Or mm. Cal- Josh Allen or Kyler uh, Murray. I thought Devin Singletary had a really good season for the Bills. I mean, oh, Frank Gore had more than him, too. Mm. Oh, well, not a big so. deal. Not by a All lot, right. but. Love Frank. Oh, I saw a tweet. Um, I'll ask you this, and maybe this could be something we can end on. So the question was, is Andy Reid the most deserving player or person or coach in the NFL of a Super Bowl ring? Does anybody deserve it more than Andy Reid? I don't think stuff like this is something that someone deserves. I think it's definitely something that has to be earned, no matter what their time in the league is. Has Andy Reid earned a Super Bowl ring? Obviously not yet, but has he laid it out on the line to, you know, do everything right? Hard question to answer, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I want him to win or to get a ring for sure. But, I mean, I don't know. We'll just say I'm yes. Gonna say, I'm going to say the most, you, you said that it wasn't deserved, but I'm going to say it was deserved. There is one player in the NFL that deserves a damn Super Bowl ring. And that man is Larry Fitzgerald. He has done nothing but be phenomenal on and off the field for his entire That dude yeah. deserves a All right. I'll give you that. He's good. he's definitely going to be a Hall of Famer. He's got, like, the best hands No, oh, his catch it just through the roof. I was talking to my friend Harold, and he said that was his favorite stat, that Larry Fitzgerald has more, t- more tackles than dropped passes. Yeah, that's that's pretty baller. Absolute unreal. Absolutely. All right, I guess uh, we have one more one more idea that I can think we can finish on. What is your score prediction for Super Bowl Fifty Four? It's gonna go. Twenty-one seventeen, 49ers. Damn. I was going to say 24-21, 49ers. Nice. I think that if... I think you were talking about it, but if the 49ers can contain Patrick Mahomes from leaving the pocket, you know, and put any kind of pressure on him, um, I know that he's a magician, and I know that he can do that no-look bullshit. But uh, I really think that 
the 49ers is the worst matchup for Pat Mahomes. Like, I think if they can get their guys, and they've got so much talent on the defensive line, right? If they can get they can get it so that Patrick Mahomes has to throw it in three seconds or less, then they'll be able to handle it. And I think that's part of the reason why the Chiefs have been so well is because he has that time to throw. And then yep. if you give Tyreek Hill three seconds, that dude's going to be open. Yep. And they also got the uh, – they got a rookie. Can't, I can never remember his name. But uh, – they have a good rookie wide receiver, and then Sammy Watkins turned on for them. Damian Williams is playing really well. They just You're thinking of Nicole Hardman. Yep. Nicole Hardman. That guy's a stud. And then of course you can't forget uh Travis Kelsey, who I used to like, but I don't like Travis Kelsey as much as I used to. I think he you know, a lot of people called him mini drunk. I don't like the way that he like plays the game or lives his lifestyle. Like, mm. George Kittle is the tight end that I want. That guy is like, he's like the ideal football player for me. Like, George Why Kittle. What? His just personality is like, you know, it almost seems like he's opposite of Travis Kelsey. Like, Travis Kelsey is there because he knows he's good. And he wants to be, you know, like a, a, a showboy. Whereas Tra- George Kittle's like, I'm a better football player than you, and I just want to block you and, like, beat you up all game. Fair enough. There's uh, videos of Travis Kel or not Travis Kelsey, George Kittle doing, like, impressions, like Canadian accent impressions. Like, I don't know if he's actually Canadian or not, but it's pretty funny. Yeah. He's from Iowa, so could be. Oh, Midwest, fair enough. Midwestern boy George Kittle, let's go. Yeah, Canadian accents are almost the same as Minnesota, which is our part of our Midwestern thing. So it's the only, yeah. only Midwesterners with accents is Minnesota. Mm. A couple Wisconsin's too, but that's more of a dialect. True. All right. All well, right. uh, how are you feeling? Feeling pretty good. Oh yeah. Me too. So, so. well, Everybody, thank you for listening. Uh, don't forget to check out Alex's Lemonade Stand. And don't forget to talk, look up or at least tweet out some Bailey Strong stuff. And we'll see you on the flip side after Super Bowl 54. Uh, I'm going to be a 49er for, for a day. Yeah, let's get it. Let's go. All right, take care, y'all. <laughs>